Um, before the band leaves, before the band leaves, we do have a birthday on stage today. Amelia Weber is turning is 16. 
Or what if you went with him on his day off when he went out to the golf course and you noticed that every time that hypothetical pastor hit a bad shot, he would throw his golf clubs and let out with a string of expletives. If you followed this hypothetical pastor around all week long and you observed a lot of these things, what would you begin to think? I mean, sure, we, no one is perfect. We all have our faults. But if you noticed there was such a difference between this hypothetical pastor you encountered in church on Sundays and the guy that you observed during the week, wouldn't you begin to think that there was some kind of a disconnect going on for him? That maybe all the Christian stuff and faith stuff that he talked about, maybe that was more like a role that he was putting on instead of like the person he truly was. Disconnect. That's what I would like for us to focus on because today what we're going to be looking at as we continue this sermon series, our focus is going to be on the, uh, on the prophet Jeremiah. Next slide, please. Jeremiah was not a prophet given to throwing golf clubs. I, I know that for sure from the biblical record. So, Jeremiah, he, he was a, a prophet around, his ministry took place around 600 B.C. There he is, Jeremiah. See, notice no golf club or anything like that. So, uh, at his ministry took place, it was about 100 years after the ministry of the prophet Isaiah that Megan talked about last week. And in those uh, 100 years, there were a lot of negative things that happened with the, the leaders, like our hypothetical pastor, and the people of Judah when it came to their um, faith life. You remember good King Hezekiah and how he had broken down all of the altars and the Asherah poles and the high places for pagan worship. Well, after Hezekiah died, the people and their leaders built those back up. They were participating in worship of multiple gods. And the, the people of Judah and their leaders, they were just kind of going through the religious motions. There was a disconnect between what they said they believed when they showed up in the temple and how they actually lived their lives day in and day out throughout the week. If they could make an extra buck by cheating somebody in business, actually it wasn't a buck, if they could make an extra amount of money by cheating somebody in business, they would do that. They didn't care for the poor and the needy in their society. They, there was a, uh, a disconnect between what they represented, they believed, when they went to the temple in Jerusalem for worship and how they actually lived their lives. And God saw this disconnect, and so the Lord called the prophet Jeremiah when he was a very young man. Jeremiah's ministry lasted over a period of 40 years, and that entire ministry, Jeremiah's role in God's plan was to bring up this disconnect to the people of Judah and Jerusalem 
and not once in that whole 40-year period did anyone ever want to hear what Jeremiah had to say. As far as they were concerned, he was this negative, grumpy, gloom and doom, glass half empty, able to see the dark cloud behind every silver lining kind of a guy. They wanted to tune Jeremiah out because he never had anything good to say. He was always warning them about this disconnect between what they appeared like in the temple and how they actually lived their lives. He was always, he was consistently making these doomsday predictions that if they didn't turn back to the Lord, that God would destroy their nation and the temple would no longer exist and the Lord would allow them to be scattered to the four winds into captivity. Year after year after year, Jeremiah delivered this message. Imagine what that must have been like for the prophet. How hard it would be to know that God has called you to tell people things they don't want to hear. To consistently bring a message that is negative and critical and is predicting doom and gloom. It must have been so hard for Jeremiah. You know, the, the most difficult thing for the prophet was that the word the Lord gave him was true. It actually happened in 586 before Christ. Jeremiah was the prophet not only who warned the people of Judah and Jerusalem of God's impending judgment, that God would not protect them forever as he had done from the Assyrian threat in the time of Isaiah, that if they didn't turn to the Lord, that that uh, divine hand would be removed and all the forces of evil would be unleashed against God's covenant people. Jeremiah was the prophet who was there. When the Babylonians came and besieged the city of Jerusalem, he watched as they built up the earthen siege ramp after they had starved out the people of Jerusalem and breached the wall and destroyed Solomon's temple. Jeremiah's heart broke with the Lord's heart as the leaders of the nation were hauled away to Babylon into captivity. Jeremiah is the prophet who wrote from the depths of despair the Old Testament book of Lamentations. Such was the ministry of Jeremiah. And so this morning, we're turning our attention to one particular part of the prophet's writing. Jeremiah chapter 7. It would have, this writing would have taken place around 20 years before the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. It looked much more like this. Biblical scholars tell us that uh, Jeremiah was, this uh, Jeremiah chapter 7 we're going to be looking at has been called the temple sermon by these biblical scholars. And they tell us that this sermon was likely delivered in the environs of the temple in Jerusalem on a public, on the occasion of a public religious festival. There would have been a lot of people milling around the temple. And this passage is an example of the kind of word that God gave to Jeremiah to warn the people, to call them back 
to faithfulness in the Lord. And so let's look at the first part of Jeremiah chapter 7. Where is it? I'm going to read to you the first part. Of... <laughs> imagine, imagine that these words on the screen, which are now in black with a black background, were actually in white like I had them yesterday. Here are the words that you would see. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning at the first verse. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah, you that enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings and let me dwell with you in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. If you go back to the temple slide, that would be, that would be good because that's what he's talking about here. So what... God is critiquing through the prophet Jeremiah is, is this mistaken belief that the people in Judah and Jerusalem had and their leaders had that as long as the temple was there in the center of Jerusalem that they were safe. They were protected. It was kind of like a, a good luck charm. A large magic rabbit's foot that assured them of God's protection because all of the people in Judah and Jerusalem, they knew the story that Megan shared with us last week, how the Lord had fought on their behalf when the Assyrians invaded their country and surrounded the city of Jerusalem and how overnight when Isaiah inquired of the Lord, and Hezekiah prayed before God that the Lord wiped out 185,000 Assyrians, and the rest who were left went back home in utter defeat. The people believed that as long as the temple was there, this is the temple of the Lord, this is the temple of the Lord, this is the temple of the Lord. That was their chant. As long as they had their religious good luck charm, that God was going to protect them. It didn't matter how they lived the rest of their lives. They had this magical belief that as long as the temple was in Jerusalem and as long as they showed up for the prescribed religious festivals, that they were safe. They had stamped their God card. So if you can advance it two slides then to the next one. I think that, that we, have the same, we have the same challenge today. That we can have the same sort of magical view of worship. That if, if we are righteous enough to drag ourselves out of bed on a Sunday morning, that surely that means that God is going to look on us with favor, that He's going to protect us from any bad things happening. Right? Wrong, according to the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah pointed out to the people of Judah, and he points out to us, 
that there, is a, there needs to be a connection between what we purport to believe in worship and how we carry ourselves, how we live during the week. Our lives need to be connected. They need to be whole. Not having the disconnect between Sunday the rest of the week. That's what Jeremiah heard from the Lord. And he went on in the next section of the passage. I think we're still going to have black words. Oh, so we have a blue background with backwards. It's much better now. <laughs> so, in case you don't have your black light glasses on, I'll go ahead and read to you from, from the text here. Verse 5. If you truly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly act justly with one another, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, and the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own hurt, then I will dwell with you in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your ancestors forever and ever. In in these verses, God is, is addressing directly the, the disconnect between what the people in Jerusalem said they believed by their presence in the temple for worship and by the way they acted or didn't act towards people in need right in their own community. In God's eyes, there is a direct connection between those two between our worshiping life and our professed relationship with God and how we respond to people who are in need. I think you saw examples of that here today that we are attempting here at Church of the Palms to teach our children from a very young age that there's a connection between what happens in Sunday on worship and what we do throughout the week. We want our, our children to be able to, at some level, relate to what it's like to be without a home. We, we are inviting sign-ups to ring the bells for the Salvation Army so that we can help to meet needs in our own community. We receive the special offering for the food pantry so that we can feed hungry people. You see, we're trying to say in so many ways that there is a connection between what happens in Sunday on worship and how we live our lives and how we spend our time during the week. Jesus said in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous will say, Lord, when was it that we did all these things? And Jesus said, for as much as you did it for the least of these who are my children, you've done it for me. There is a connection between what we sing about and say when we worship on Sunday and how we live our lives during the week. great picture from the day of hope that's just another example of the 
the connection between what we say we believe and how we live. All right, we're staying with that blue background and, and black words, so it's my favorite color combination. So I'll, um, I'll go on to the last part of the passage. This is uh, Jeremiah 7, verses 8 through 11. The, the prophet concludes this part of his sermon in front of the temple. Here you are, trusting in deceptive words to no avail. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. It's our good luck charm. It's our insurance policy. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are safe, only to go on doing all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? You know, I too am watching, says the Lord. I too am watching, says the Lord. Once again, the prophet drives home the point that what we say we believe when we gather in God's house, that that informs how we live every other day of the week. You, you noticed, I think, that uh, Jeremiah named five of the Ten Commandments when he talked about what the people were doing during the week. God had given Moses, we talked about this several weeks ago, God had given Moses his ten best ways to live. And Jeremiah, off the top of his head, was rattling off five of them that the people were not carrying out, that they were regularly breaking, and that it was an abomination, a very strong word, an abomination to God for people to live that way and then to come and stand in God's house saying to themselves, we are safe. I've got this um, fire insurance policy. The temple is here. I show up at church on Sundays. I've got my lucky rabbit's foot. I've got my God card stamped. God says through the prophet, that is a misunderstanding of living life in relationship with the creator of the universe. And so, these words from the prophet bring questions up for us that we need to wrestle with. In, in looking at our own lives, what is the connection between what we present when we're in worship together on Sunday and how we live for the rest of the week? Do we seek a relationship to be in communication with the living God, or in reality, do we worship the gods of our own age, our technology? Do we hope in science to solve our problems? Do we believe that it is the economic system that is actually the hope of the world? You know, it's been said that you can 
tell what's truly important to a person by the way he or she spends time and money. And so if you were to pull out your calendar, and if you were to pull up your bank account, what would those two sources of information say are the most important things in your life? Is there a connection between what you say you believe when you're here and what happens all the other days of the week. Because the truth of the matter is that you could fool most all of us in this room. You might even be able to fool people who are close to you. Some could even fool we can even fool ourselves. But Jeremiah says, For God, you know that I too am watching. We can't fool God. He knows our hearts. He knows what our true priorities are. He knows how we live every single minute of every single day. And what God desires for you and what God desires for me is the same as He desired for the people of Judah, is that we would live in relationship with Him, that we would seek to follow Him not only when we gather for worship, but every single day of our lives that our lives would be connected, that they would be whole, that they would be full. Amen.